Hi, hello, and welcome to the Sad Witch Podcast, a comedic but also painfully earnest podcast about magic and mental health. This episode is going to be light on the comedy and heavy on the painfully earnest because I have been going through what the kids call it. I'm your local sad witch. You might have read a BuzzFeed article about me because my tears have become the local desalination plant's new favorite source of water. How are you doing today? Um, I'm depressed, which is a new look for me. I tend to lean towards anxiety and panic as my everyday aesthetic. But every once in a while, I like to reach out into that infinite voice of sadness I contain within myself and get really heckin' sad. Fun fact, I manage to maintain the physical symptoms of anxiety while dealing with the psychological symptoms of depression. So I'm like ambidextrous for mood disorders. Get on my level. And just a shout out to anyone listening who deals with depression regularly. It fucking blows, hey? I've been anxious for so long that as horrific as it is sometimes, I've almost become used to it. I've developed a tool set. I know there are certain things I can do to help mitigate the symptoms. There are routines I can follow to reduce the likelihood of me having a panic attack. There are medications that I know will work for me. And when all else fails, there are benzos, which can force your body to stop a panic attack. (laughs) I was talking to someone and I said, Uh, You know, I wish there were benzos for depression that could just force me to be happy. And then I realized, like, almost every recreational drug is like a benzo for depression, uh, but with, with adverse side effects. And I'm just going to be honest with you, this episode is going to be a little darker because depression is really dark. The thing I always say about anxiety is that anxiety is fear-based, but it's a fear of failing and of things ending, and it's this sort of irrational way that your body is trying to protect you, but with a maniacal sort of enthusiasm. Anxiety is trying way too hard to keep you alive. And depression isn't. It's almost the opposite. I'm going to read you a poem because I'm a moody bitch and this is all I do now. I listen to Lana Del Rey and I read sad poetry. So this is Not Waving But Drowning by Stevie Smith. Nobody heard him, the dead man, but still he lay moaning. 
I was much further out than you thought, and not waving but drowning. Poor chap, he always loved larking and now he's dead. It must have been too cold for him, his heart gave way, they said. Oh, no, 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 it was too cold always. Still the dead one lay moaning. I was much too far out all my life, and not waving, but drowning. Uh, I heard that poem in high school. I think they taught it in my English class in grade 11 or 12 or somewhere around there. And I remember thinking it was, my little emo teenage self just loved that shit. Uh, this idea of floundering and drowning and crying out for help and not receiving it seemed very melodramatic and suitable to my sensitivities at the time. And I didn't know how literal it could be. Well, the sensation of drowning, of not being able to catch your breath, of... And I'm just going to deviate for a second because I have a rant. (laughs) And I don't know if this is the energy I want to bring to the podcast, but it's all I got, so it's what we're getting. Um, I always hear whenever they do these like mental health awareness campaigns... You know, if you're feeling sad, if you're having thoughts of self-harm, reach out. Reach out. And no one talks about the fact that there aren't many places to reach out to. Short of a crisis line, which I highly recommend, crisis lines are amazing, it is incredibly hard to get mental health support when you're in a crisis. I don't have a family doctor. I can't get one. I've been trying for years. I don't have access to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm on a six-month wait list. I'm on a three-month wait list for counseling. And when there are days when you can't go to work, because you spend your whole day crying. A three-month wait list isn't going to help. I did find some resources, and I'm doing a lot better now. I actually, I thought this was hokey when I heard about it, but online doctors, there are a bunch of services if you look up sort of like online walk-in clinics. I don't know where you are, so it'll probably vary, but it's amazing because when you're depressed, it's very difficult to leave your house and to summon up the energy to go and physically be in a place and explain your problems to a stranger. It's incredibly demanding. And I was able to have a video chat with a doctor who specialized in mental health, just a clinic, um, but who, who knew about mental health. And he was able to adjust my prescription without me having to leave. And I was able to send someone else to collect my prescription for me. So it is possible, but it's hard. It's really fucking hard. And I just get really frustrated when I hear 
people saying, you know, just reach out. It's like, trust me, I'm trying. I'm trying really hard to reach out. I'm drowning out here. And I'm flailing, trying to summon the lifeguard. And people at the shore are just waving back at me and being like, oh, she always loved lurking. <laughs> Fuck me, right? <laughs> and you know what? That's why we've got witchcraft. <laughs> because you got three months to wait uh, before you have access to affordable counseling. And I've got some spells that'll hold you over until then. Okay, thank you for entertaining my melodramatic seg. Um, coming back. I'm not an expert on depression, but in my experience, in my life, I've dealt with two kinds of depression. And I call them the big sad and the yawning void. They both suck, but in unique and exciting ways. Lately, I've been living in the big sad. You will know when you are in the big sand because you will be crying. You will listen to too much sad music. You will break down at the smallest obstacles. You will be consistently exhausted from hauling around your overwhelming emotions. If this sounds like you, hey, welcome to the big sad club. I'm sorry, this club is terrible. The problem with the big sad and being in that state is you're not really in a place where you can heal from it. All the things that help with depression, like exercise and sunlight and socialization, all that shit is way too overwhelming. Like, we barely have the energy to shower. You think I'm going to go for a run in the sun? Uh, that would, you know, cut into my weeping on the floor time. It is very difficult to continue on with your routine or to meet the basic requirements of being an adult while you are in this space. Not because you lack motivation, um, which I find is the case when I'm in the yawning void, because I just sort of lose all pleasure and lack motivation. But when you're in the big sad, you just literally can't. You're, you're just frail, a glass person. I always call myself an overripe peach, and the slightest pressure feels like it'll bruise or shatter. And you might have a very valid reason for being sad. You might be grieving or processing trauma. Or you might just have a terrible genetic propensity to be suddenly blindsided by mental illness, like stumbling on a curb and landing in a whirlpool. You can't even see where you tripped until it's too late. This is extra fun too. Because if it happens without a trigger, you get to live the rest of your life in fear of it happening again at any time. It's like a tag team, depression causing anxiety. I appreciate that camaraderie. Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> when people, uh, including doctors, hear that you're depressed, they give you lots of very helpful advice. Go for a walk. Get some sun. Spend time with friends. See a therapist. Start a new hobby. Spend time doing the things that you love. So cool, I wasn't able to get out of bed today, and you think I'm going to take up stamp collecting right now? 
The problem is that advice is actually really good for mild depression or anhedonia, which is the lack of pleasure, which is often a symptom of depression. Um, But it ain't shit when you're deep in the throes of big sad. You aren't going to be quote-unquote cured from this space, but you are going to survive. And you're going to get yourself to a more manageable level of depression where you can follow that very helpful advice and get to a place where you feel sad when sad things happen, but happy when happy things happen. I think they call that healthy. So you can get there, but you can't get there from here. There's a middle step. I think of being in the big sad like being stuck in Jurassic Park. I'm not taking up nude modeling right now. I'm running from a T-Rex. We're in survival mode out here. We are not doing forest bathing. Uh, I'm going to release two versions of this episode. One that cuts out this section and one that doesn't. Oh, hello there. Welcome to the slightly less triggering version of this podcast. If you would like to hear the uber-sad edition, you can stop this one and go listen to the other version of this episode. Or you can hang out with me here and listen to the unedited version of guilty-free music at the top of this episode. Fun fact, uh, for Halloween I was looking for like witchy music royalty-free witchy music and (laughs) almost every version of witch songs include a xylophone and I don't know why so to the witches listening please meet me at the town hall next Friday to be issued your standard witch xylophone uh, which you can use to summon witches at any time. Oh, I like this part. You know, not enough royalty-free music has a horn section that plays along with the creepy xylophone. For the curious, this song is called Brewing Potions. Okay, cool. Let's talk about depression. And let's talk about the big sad. The big sad is an unstable place to be, and it feels like drowning. I imagine if you've ever been surfing or paddleboarding or something, it's like trying to stand on water and you just can't get a foothold. You, you know, you're trying to climb out, but your foundation is so shaky it's going to give out. Depression is like a separate entity with its own will to survive at your expense. Like, How many other mental illnesses propel themselves with the enthusiasm of depression? 
you know? Oh, socialization helps? I'm going to make that unbearably difficult. That hobby that brings you joy? I'll be taking that, thank you. You've realized you need to go to the doctor for medication. Why don't you just take a nap instead? Sneaky little bastard. Depression has a similar effect on witchcraft. Casting spells is based on intention, really pressing your will into the universe. But depression has a nasty way of clouding intention. And I have two strategies to get around this. Itty bitty teeny tiny magic and compartmentalization. So first, let's talk about itty bitty teeny tiny magic. If you are in the throes of the big sad, there is no space to be writing petitions and making spell jars. Those more elaborate rituals require you to maintain your intention for a decent amount of time. Like flying with fairy dust and happy thoughts. If you lose the happy thoughts, you fall. So fuck them. Tinkerbell was a dick anyway. We can circumvent depression's defense mechanisms by lowering our standards. A lot. <laughs> One of my favorite small magics is to speak kindly to a kettle as it boils and lovingly select tea based on what I want my day to look like. But it's pretty hard to speak lovingly when depression has you convinced that both you and the world are in fact flaming trash heaps. You are not a flaming trash heap. I'm not totally convinced that the world is not a flaming trash heap. So instead of trying to press your intention and your kindness into a cup of tea. Just make a cup of tea. That's self-care. Instead of pressing your kindness in advance, thank yourself in retrospect. Why thank you, me, for making this cup of tea despite your crippling inability to feel joy? Gratitude is an easier emotion to summon than goodwill. It's very small and it's retroactive and you only need it for a split second. One millisecond of gratitude for the work that you've put in, and bam, that's a blessed cup, my friend. So you're not in a place to be celebrating nature and forest bathing. Here is your small goal. Get your body into sunlight and or fresh air. Some strategies might include opening a window, lying next to a window, Standing on the street in front of your house, crying in the sunshine and being annoyed that the weather doesn't match your sadness. That's fire and air, two out of the four elements, friend. Drink a glass of water or, you know, cry. Now we're at three elements. Put a rock or dirt or a bit of plant in your pocket. Four out of four, you are killing this. You don't need to cast or summon. You can... Be a pile of blankets on the floor and still have all four elements. I am very partial to magic that can be done from a pile of blankets. And you know what? If you didn't get all four, you, you get what you can. Who cares? Let's be honest, you're not in balance right now and you won't be for a minute. So let's just call in the magical help we can and just high five ourselves for that. This is a time where instead of pressing your intention outwards, you're going to summon support inwards towards yourself. 
If you're in a self-loathing space, first off, hi, hello, welcome. Second off, try to care for something other than yourself. This is why millennials are obsessed with houseplants. Our lives are in shambles, and we need to project onto something simpler and more manageable. Like a cactus. Water a plant. Don't have a plant? Text someone. Demand they bring you a plant. This plant is now your sad friend. Give them a name that's better than sad friend, and tell them they're pretty. Hype up that plant. And again, this can be done from your blanket heap. There's also magic that can be done from bed. Sometimes I just try and meditate, clear my mind a little, and come up with a one or two word mantra. Something I can call on to interrupt really negative thought spirals. And I told you one of mine in a previous episode for when I'm walking is good earth. I don't know what my brain does when it's in this state, but some of my mantras are out there. Like, (laughs) sometimes my mantra is tomorrow. Just reminding me that there is another day and it will be different than this one. Sometimes my mantra is whatever. Like, I refuse to entertain these thoughts. Another favorite mantra is heck off, where I decide to just dissociate from my depression and be really rude to it, because anger is a lot easier to feel and deal with when you're in that state. So I've got three techniques for you that we've talked about. Or maybe four. Yeah, four. I've got four techniques that we've talked about in terms of itty-bitty, teeny-tiny magic. We have retrospective thanks and gratitude for whatever you manage to accomplish when you're in this space. You are your own cheerleader right now. And especially if you can thank yourself for something physical, like a shower or a cup of tea, that means that that whatever it is, that thing becomes blessed with that intention and becomes even more powerful. And then the next time you have a cup of tea, it'll be a little easier and so on and so forth until you're just like throwing back green tea all day, hyped up on matcha and you're too strung out on caffeine to feel sad anymore. (laughs) We talked about calling in the elements for support. And this can be very minor. You might have stuff that you use to call in the elements normally um, if you perform ritual work. Just bring that stuff to your blanket heap and say, hey, (laughs) I like to call in favors. Be like, remember that time I left the fairies an offering? Yo, fairies, can you help the lady out? I know there are lots of different traditions, but at least in Italian folklore and frankly Catholicism, a lot of our worship is transactional. So, like for example, with St. Joseph, we leave him an offering based on how good our previous year was. So it's more of like a reward or punishment. Yeah. 
So this is the energy we are bringing to whatever beliefs you have in terms of deities or divine beings. You're calling in a favor. If you are not in a space to care for yourself, find something else to care for. It can be very small. It can be someone you love. I mentioned a plant, which I find works really well, but that's just the witch in me. I also find that helping other people who are struggling with mental health helps me when I'm in that space. So my elaborate ruse behind this podcast has now been revealed to you. And the last thing I mentioned was mantras. Using quick, snappy phrases. Something short that you can meditate on, that you can repeat, that you can charge with power while you are lying in bed and crying, and that you can just call on when you need it most. When you're getting into that extra dark space. And it doesn't have to be rational or particularly meaningful. It's an interruption. It's cutting them off at the past. So the other kind of magic that helps at this time is compartmentalization. And I have one ritual for it that I recommend above all others. And it's a little bit elaborate, but it works and it's worth it. Here's what you do. You find two rocks. You lie on the floor. You place one rock on your forehead and one on your belly. Or if you don't want to lie on your back, just place them on two spots on your body where they can rest. And then you cry. And you feel all your feelings. Everything you've been trying to hold back to be a good grown-up, just feel it. And... When you're out of tears, you take those rocks, you hold them in your hands and thank them, and then you put them in a little mason jar. Add a bit of dirt and something pretty. Seal the jar and put it in the corner. The tough part is you will have to open the jar later. You will have to process those emotions. But right now, we're just going to tuck them away and create a little space. You seal them in a jar because a jar can be unscrewed and reopened. I always add dirt or something that represents earth to me. It can be, I mean, the rocks do already, but because it's grounding. And you add something pretty because it's self-care. I usually use a ribbon. And tuck it away. You can bury it. It's nice. Get it the heck out of here. I usually hide it behind books. I have bookshelves, so I pull out some books, tuck it away behind, and hide it out of sight, out of mind. And you'll feel lighter. You'll have transferred some of your pain to these objects that will hold them for you temporarily. And then maybe you can start working on those other tasks. You can go to the doctor. You can try to go for a run, or get outside, or call your friends, or family if you're one of those people who has a decent relationship with their family, can't relate, but if you do, call them. 
And then later, a few weeks you probably got from this, when you're somewhere more stable, open the jar, take out the rocks, thank them again for holding on to that, and just let yourself go back to that space and feel those feelings again. And you'll find it more bearable this time. You'll be, you're not on a paddleboard on water anymore. You're just on some like loose sand, you know? It's still not the most solid foundation, but at least it's the ground, right? Start there. Another version of compartmentalizing that kind of crosses over with the previous thing is a mantra I use, which is not yet. If I'm starting to feel an emotion that's too big for me to deal with right now, I just say, not yet. I'll get there. It's not yet. And sometimes just saying that out loud to yourself is enough to postpone the emotion to a time where you have a bit more space. I use this a lot when I'm at work because I don't get mental health leave. So I have to keep slugging it out in that nine to five. And you can only cry at work so many times before people start to get suspicious. So instead of that, when I'm starting to feel emotional, I say, not yet. On a side note though, people are weirdly normal with seeing their coworkers get upset. Like, I don't know what, I guess we're all in late stage capitalism together, so it's not that shocking anymore. But I was, I was at work and I was in a, a one-on-one meeting with and she was asking me about something and it was the smallest little obstacle in the world. Uh, something had gone wrong with whatever. And I just, I just started crying, just sobbing. And she just said like, oh wow, I didn't know you cared so much about marketing strategies. <laughs> I care zero about marketing strategies. <laughs> but she got me a glass of water she asked me if I wanted to meet up later and it was fine it's not the end of the world like the thing is we all know that it's hard out here and I think it's really easy to judge yourself and worry about being perceived as weak or of poor character or something because you you feel things a little too much right now. But honestly, here's depression's nasty secret. Is that almost everyone has to deal with it at some point. Like I said, some people might only deal with it in times of grief or trauma versus others just because of mental illness. But we're all going to have times in our life where we're emotionally unstable and we break down at really inopportune moments, like a marketing meeting. <laughs> and almost everyone I've met, even people you wouldn't expect, kind of get that. And I don't know if that's acceptance, or if it's just a little sad that we're all so used to being so sad. But I think it's important to remember that you're not alone. That we're all in this shithole together. And we're going to make it through. And we're going to be wonderful because we've got magic. We are going to create the fairy dust and the happy thoughts our own way.
We don't need no bullshit Tinkerbell. Living is hard, and witchcraft makes everything more wonderful and sacred and magic. So take care of yourselves out there. Feel your feelings, cry into rocks, upset your marketing managers, and of course, stay magic.